That L Word Podcast. Do you need the leadership work? Can you even love? A podcast about leadership and everything that people are afraid to say out loud. Do you love yourself? Because if you ain't leading yourself, how can you lead a multi-million dollar corporation? Uh, we're back for another episode of That L Word Podcast. That L Word Podcast. And today we have another special guest. We have Mr. Tim Howard. Uh, Tim is a realtor with EXP Realty, and he also is a coach at the Man School. He's working on a book, um, Reflect. The Mirror is the title of the book. The Mirror is the title of the book, sorry. So, yeah, the re- mirrors reflect. Yes, it, it, <laughs> they do. They do. And then Tim also has a podcast, Reflect the Life You Want. Yeah, which is the theme of the book. Which is the theme of the book. How yeah. how coincidental. Uh, and Good so, marketing. Yes, yes. So we brought Tim on, asked him to come in and just talk about one of the um, aspects of the acrostic that you use, Reflect. Mm -hmm. If you would like to go ahead and uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself and then explain Reflect and then... In typical Morgan and Jody fashion, then we're just going to go wing from it. there. All right. Well, I I grew up in the Seattle area. I'm uh, one of five boys. I was an Army officer, Airborne Ranger, Field Artillery officer back in the day. You guys both prior military. Um, worked in industry for about 14 years, primarily the aluminum industry. Have owned a franchise business, done real estate development work. Uh, Worked in a couple other businesses, but partner here with a real estate team here in the Wilmington area. My main partner, Matthew Kane, is also a former Marine, scout sniper. So he and I are both Homes for Heroes realtors. So we give back to people in the community or people who have served our nation. I just have to pause and say it sounds like a very lethal realty team. But it's crazy. It, 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 I'll, 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 in that moment when he said that, I was like, like, all these like operators or these high level, like, you don't always hear those stories, right? You don't mm-hmm. always hear stories about people getting out and and starting a business and and investing yeah. and all that type of stuff. But mm-hmm. it's it's within the especially in the, the special operations community, these type of people are like they're so motivated to like to give to to build um, to stay engaged, mm-hmm. and, and it's just and we we kind of find each other. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I'm sorry. That's to how go down we that all connected. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, I um, when I worked in the aluminum industry, I had the opportunity to go through a corporate leadership program, which, if you did the work, resulted in a, a master's degree in kind of like applied behavioral science. So these concepts um, came to me. I was leading one of the business opportunities I had here locally. I was owning a franchise business. I came into a failing business here locally, initially as the HR manager, and began to help them figure out how to turn this business around, and then eventually became the general manager and then led the turnaround. And as a result of that process of going through that, leading that change and some personal things, these ideas for this book concept, the mirror book, came to me, and it a lot of it I drew upon learnings I gained from this master's program I went through years ago because I applied a lot of principles that I learned in that master's program to leading this change in this organization. So it's kind of like for me, it's like I want to document one of my learning and also 
who who could I potentially share this with others down the road that it might impact? So that's where the ideas um, came from. So the title of the book is The Mirror. The original working title was like The Mirror Through Which I See Myself in You. And it's this idea that, you know, like anytime we're interacting with someone, we're, we're, we're human beings, so we have a tendency to judge so we tend to have a tendency to judge situations, judge other people, though we really shouldn't, but that's our tendency. So what I realized in going through this training years ago is that the big aha moment for me was once I realized that all these judgments I'm making about others and other situations, at least half of it's really about me. So I'm like projecting my stuff out onto right. this other person or <clears throat> this situation. So the mirror through which I see myself... And you is this idea that, you know, I, I, I tend to react to things or respond to things that either I, that resonate with me, that I admire in someone else, that I might think about myself as having a quality or something I aspire to, or if I see something I don't like, the awareness that, oh, this is an element of my personality, myself, that I'm really not where I want to be yet. So that was a big aha. You know, and I've spent the last 20 plus years working on with that self-awareness, making better choices in situations around, you know, being able to discern, is this about me? Is this about the situation or is this truly about the other person? And then making a choice to do I do anything with that? Do I say anything about that? Do I share something related to that? And that's a real skill. So what I teach uh, in coaching, like with a man school, is you know increasing that self awareness and mm-hmm. making decisions around what am I going to do with things as I'm interacting with other people. So that's been a big ha ha for me in the last twenty plus years. So the podcast that I do um, here with Signal Fire Media also reflect a life one. You you guys have both been guests of that. And we've talked about what you guys both do in coaching, but the reflect is an acrostic. And as you go through the mirror book, the R chapter stands for recognize the power to change. It's like realize that the circumstances I'm in right now don't have to remain where I'm at. The first E is to each day to be grateful. And it's this idea that, yeah, maybe I don't have everything I want in life right now or the situation is not everything I'd want it to be, but what do I already have in my life that I can be grateful for? What can I build upon? Because if I have a sense of gratitude and gratefulness for what I've already been blessed with, I tend to experience more of that, I see more of that, and I tend to focus on more of that, and then then I go bring more of that into my life. Then the F chapter stands for to feel now what you imagine it will be when. And our imagination is the most powerful aspect of our brains, right? You know, if we can imagine something the way it would want to be. Like if we were younger, we were kids, we had very vivid imaginations, and then we started to get changed by culture and our parents and school and stuff like Mm. that. But if I can really, truly use my imagination as a powerful force and feel that emotion that comes with whatever it is I'm uh, wanting to create in my life— that's a good thing. It's like, okay, I'm energized, I'm focused, I'm, I'm fired up about going after this goal. Then the L chapter, which I th- think we'll spend a fair amount of time talking about today, is this idea to love yourself and to let others know you love them. You know, we've all heard the idea that I can't give from an empty cup. 
if I don't first value myself, I got nothing else I can share with anybody else. And and that's a very important concept for me. So then the second E is to energize your thoughts towards that which you intend to be. So it's like using your mind to really get into clarity around what you're going after. And then the C stands for to clarify your inner circle. So it's like, who's speaking in your life? What's, you know, Jim Rohn said, we're the the average of the five people we spend the most time with. Mm -hmm. So it's like, who are we allowing to speak into our life? Who are we energized by? Who is influencing us? And then, you know, sometimes being intentional about who's someone that can mentor me, you know, that can help me get to where I want to go. And then the T chapter is thoughts are key, think it, create it. So it kind of pulls everything together, but it always, it's also about getting very clear about what are you going after and, um, and then get into action and make it happen in your life. Awesome. We talk a lot about self-awareness and loving yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that mean to you? Hmm. <laughs> wow. It's got to get real, real fast. Oh, yeah. got real, <laughs> we, know. I mean, uh, we go straight for it, Tim. Because you said it starts with you, right? Yeah. So we're starting with you. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> you know, I think, um, and reflecting upon this, um, even in advance of coming in here today, you know, we, we I think, and I think in terms of love languages, right, a lot. So I think our tendency is our love languages that we express or are natural for us or what we, how we want to show love is, is based on what we experience as a child, especially in our formative years. And sometimes it's the absence of something that you long for, right? So for me growing up, um, love wasn't freely expressed, okay? It was just wasn't a norm. And it was interesting— as part of that master's program years ago, we did this family of origin study and I interviewed my parents and siblings, you know, what was their life experiences. And I learned from my mother, and I write about this a little bit in the book, is that my mom and my dad were very intentional about not being affectionate towards us as sons. And their thought process, this goes back to the early 60s, is that uh, they didn't want to raise sissies, Right. So their frame of reference was they didn't want to raise, they wanted to raise strong boys. So in their mind, it was like. Make it life harder. Yeah. We were just talking about tough love two episodes ago. Yeah, I was just going to bring it up. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so it's like, you know, the very thing that you need, you want, you desire, you crave as a young person is intentionally not provided. So that that self-confidence that you get from... um, that love, that encouragement was kind of absent. So for me, many, many years of my life, I realized that I was always seeking external validation because I didn't necessarily have that sense of self-worth within myself. I didn't truly love myself. So one of the things that was going on when I was going through um, leading this turnaround of this business we talked about before where the ideas for the Reflect Across that came about was I was going through some personal stuff too. And I had this affirmation that I would say to myself because I wasn't necessarily feeling really good about myself at that time. And I would say, I love and accept myself. I love and accept. I just say it over and over. If I was struggling to fall asleep at night because other things were weighing on my mind, I would Mm. just put that in my head. It was like counting sheep and like, I love and accept myself and just try to fall asleep with that mindset going into my mind. So I woke up in the morning, hopefully I have a better frame of mind to face the day. How did it work? It worked fairly well for me. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I made progress in terms of getting to a better state of mind for me, did it? But that relationship ended up ending after 29 years. Um, but my capacity to show love and receive love when I was younger, because there was an absence of that, I, I didn't really fully develop, you know. Well, and I just wrote down because I didn't want to forget. So it's an interesting origin story. Mm-hmm. And it's I think it's probably one that was very commonplace, especially in that generation. Mm-hmm. How did that lack uh, or that you said that you were constantly seeking validation. Mm-hmm. How did that show up in your leadership, especially as a young Army officer? Well, I think, you know, as a younger leader, before you're fully matured, is like you might be trying to do things in order to seek recognition. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I remember going through uh, the process of going through Ranger School. And at the end of that, which was quite an ordeal and quite a challenge, to accomplish that was a pretty significant accomplishment. But it was like then you're just kind of left with, okay, you got the tab now. What's next? So what? What's yeah, next? What's next? Always what's um, next. So I think early on it was like striving to excel in order to receive recognition, right? So in the military we see, receive recognition a lot in different ways. Um so I think that motivated me for a long time when I was younger. And I in then when I left the military active duty and went into industry, I, I think that motivated me in the same way. I was like, I was always trying to be better, get better, deliver better business results for that recognition. What were your people skills like, people skills like during that time frame? I think I've always been a natural leader and we're, we're pretty good, but they've gotten much better over the years as I've developed and grown and I have greater understanding of myself. Um, but they were pretty good. And I think one, one of the things that I always did well in business, especially that was different because my, you guys know what Myers-Briggs is type indicator. So I'm an INFJ. So I'm naturally introvert. And that type in leadership, it's the, it's the smallest type of Myers-Briggs to begin with, but that type in leadership is very rare. So I always got better business results than a lot of my peers. And I think when I look back is like, I had the ability to demonstrate that I truly cared for other people. And I think, you know, looking back, if I'm honest, as a leader at times, I wanted the respect and I wanted people to value me as their leader. So I probably went out of my way to do things to help to create that relationship. Wasn't necessarily always the healthiest mindset going into it, but it was like, hey, I want to be respected as a leader. I want to be valued uh, as a person, especially in leading in heavily industrialized environments, unionized environments. There's nothing really you can do for people but the one thing you can do is go around. I used to go around every day, and I had a role model years ago. He would walk around this manufacturing plant in the furniture industry. I worked for my father, and he would shake hands with everybody, <coughs> hundreds of people, every day. And he kind of became my role model. I was like, wow, <clears throat> this guy really demonstrated that he cared about people. So I got in the habit of doing that. And it, in that culture, when I first started leading in heavily industry and aluminum industry and United Steel Workers, you know, that was different. 
you know, for guys, a lot of just to shake hands is a form of affection, right? You know, and to embrace like we might do because we're good friends or something is maybe normal for some. But in that environment, that was highly, highly unusual. So I got this, I got this nickname called Tim the Tool Man. <laughs> yeah, and that's what everybody called me. You get a nickname when you're working in that kind of environment. But Tim the Tool Man, at first I, I viewed it as a negative. It was like I felt disrespected at first. Mm-hmm. I realized once that, that that was actually a positive thing. They, they viewed me in a way. Back then, the home improvement TV show, Tim Taylor, and he had three sons. Oh, so that's how yeah, that yeah, Tim yeah, the Tool yeah. Man came about. But after a while, it became a, a very powerful thing. Because I was respected by many of the people on the shop floor, even some of the salary people would call me tool man. And it was interesting. I had We had set these all-time production records one month. I remember it was May of like 2009 or something. Anyhow, 19, I can't remember what year it was. Anyhow, I sent out this little congratulatory memo and I signed it, Tim the Tool Man. And I started hearing from guys off the floor, some of my, I was a superintendent of this aluminum ingot plant. Some of the guys had been around watching this thing. You know, they really appreciated that note you put out. I said, what do you mean? And they said, well, you've, one, one thing I heard is that you've accepted who we, we call you as a tool man. It's like, oh. So that they'd never ha- had the experience of one of the, kind of the corporate guys, one of the company guys being accepted into the culture, truly. Mm. And I had this old, crusty old uh, mechanic, and he was tough, man. He was, I remember when I was first came out there and I'd relieve as a supervisor, he'd be up in my grill, you know, and give me a, a piece of his mind about just about everything, about how stupid I was or whatever, you know. <laughs> and one day after I'd put this memo out, he stopped me, and we were out in the manufacturing floor in front of this aluminum furnace. It's, you know, molten metal's like 1,200, 1,300 degrees, and it's in the summertime. It's hot. And he stops me, and he's never done this before, but he wanted to sh- shake my hand. And he just said, you know, I really appreciate you putting out that note. And I said, well, you're welcome. You know, tell me more. <clears throat> and that's when he explained to me is that, you know, he'd been in that, unionized environment for over 30 years and it was the very first time like he felt like someone that was with the company that was a leader truly cared about them and he had accepted me as a as a leader which was so I think of, of any moment in leading in that environment that's probably the most impactful and it's funny I, I was when I left that two-year corporate leadership program, the first-year students would give the two-year students like a gift. And what the first-year students did for me is they got this red toolbox, and they had it uh, painted with these different images and stuff like that, and it said, Tim the Toolman. And I still have it to this day. So I went by when that occurred. I, he was on shift that day, and I, I showed him the tool, the toolbox, you know, just to kind of cement that thing that he shared with me, mm-hmm. now me with him and how significant that was. So I think, you know, getting back to this idea of you, you've got to love yourself and show love to other people, 
that in a manufacturing environment, in an intense union environment, was a, probably the greatest example I ever had in my in my my experience as a leader. It's like here's this guy in his way showing love toward me, you know, and here's me in turn going back to him and saying, hey, I appreciate you. And it just formed a kind of relationship that was very, very, very different in that environment. But it goes back to, you know, you got you got to accept yourself. You've got to love yourself and you've got to be willing to put yourself out there and share that with other people. Yeah, I was just going to say, it sounds like the fact that you, you know, now we would call that creating a safe space. Like you mm-hmm. created an environment that was psychologically safe mm-hmm. enough for him to be able to express his emotion. Yep. And it sounds, you know, I've got this image of, uh, and I know you said it's aluminum, aluminum industry, but kind of this crusty old dock worker, you know, the Nick, yeah. the Nick Cap who um, is just that stereotypical, doesn't show emotion, raised in a similar fashion as, as you talked about being raised where you were not shown a lot of affection or love mm-hmm. intentionally. And that's interesting, very interesting <laughs> to me that your parents did that intentionally. Yeah. Um, and that's weird, not weird, but I guess if you think about it, you were raised that way. So at what point, what caused you to make that shift on your own? Because that, that seems kind of counterintuitive that oh. you would just say, I've got to do this. Well, when we talking about shifts, right, before you answer that question, mm-hmm. the biggest shift, like, that I'm listening as I hear is, like, the when we're talking about when you're a young leader and stuff like that or a young uh, officer is that that shift from quantity versus quality, right? We all, because that young person is, but we want more because we, we want things. We want more money. We want more respect. We want this person to like me. And it's like, <clears throat> we like, when you get that, Okay, ne- what's next? I I, I earned or I earned a ranger tab. Okay, now I got to do something else because okay, they that was just especially in like you know marketing or anything like that. It's like you only good as the thing the last thing you did, mm-hmm. right? And so you always try to reinvent yourself and do more, but that's only based off quantity, right? Mm-hmm. And what it sounds like within your transition, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that you started thinking about the quality of who you are and the quality of life of those around you. Absolutely. And I think the key, to answer your question, Jody, the key thing, the shift was when I became a father. Interesting. But I have three sons. And I would agree with my, yep, me so too. When, and they were born about not, not too long before I was working in this environment. So um, I think... For me, it was very intentional. It was like, okay, I didn't receive this when I was growing up. I want to make sure that I express that to my sons so that they don't have that sense of there being a vacuum there or that they don't well, how feel did you know? Or how did you know what to—like, there's one thing that people—how do you know what to give if you didn't know what you were—if you'd never received it? That, and that that was a challenge, and, and I write about <laughs> it in the book. Like, so it's like, uh, if, if you don't know— then you just got to go with what feels natural. So the one thing I, I always made a point of, like, my sons was just letting them know, hey, I love you. You know, every, like, a, every phone conversation I end with them or every time I'm departing from them, it's it's an embrace. I love you. And so they know without any uncertainty that uh, they're loved and they're valued by me. Um, that was not a norm in my family. I remember 
I was going through, I was leading a retreat process in, in high school and I started hugging people. And then, you know, and then I started hugging members of my family. It was not a norm in our family to display any kind of affection, but it was something I craved, I desired, I wanted, so I started doing it. Now it's very much a norm, you know, whenever we would see one another, that's the way we, we would interact. But back then, nah. You got to hug people like you might never see them again. Yeah, and I remember you saying that before when you're talking, is like, and I think because of your experience as a leader in the military and in those combat environments and things like that, that's very real. It's like, I might not see this person again. I get so angry as we talk about that, right? It's even at home or um, even at work, I would get angrier because we would hold on to these things that meant nothing. And we we would let people go away from us and you start like coming back. I one thing I had to deal with was, was survivor's remorse, right? Mm-hmm. Because you don't know it happens. You know, you've been like it could be like they there, then they go, like just that simple. Something was there, then it's gone. You know, that's every day too. Yeah, that's not, and, I mean, but that's... but you bring that back. And yeah. So I brought it back, um, and I and I at, at home and at work, and and I was mad at people. I was mad mm. because people didn't appreciate the moment that they had with each other. They just was they like, going. I always call it you going about life like tomorrow's promise, and it's not. Mm. And it, and it still kind of makes me angry, um, and I have to catch myself from doing it as well because you never know. We got we talk about the mirroring. Like sometimes we're so mad at everybody else, but we're truly not mad at them. We just mad at you know at ourselves because we didn't appreciate mm. something that we had. For me, I didn't get to see my grandma, the person that raised me when she passed and that's like super emotional for me. And um, I get, I, I get really, I had to catch myself. I get so mad at my wife and my kids. Like, what are you doing? Like, you can go out here and be gone. Like, and I wanted to like keep them close and, and appreciate them. But it's, it's really taking the time like you've done. And like we've all done at this table. It's like, I got to change this. Like, I can't live like this. This is not healthy. This mm-hmm. is not the best for me. And I grew up. I wouldn't. It was similar and more. Of my, you know, for my, my my. I didn't meet my dad till like later on in my life of thirteen, ten, thirteen years old. My mom was a single parent, and so she was always at work. I'm the oldest, so it wasn't that, that there was anyone there to love me. Like there wasn't anyone there, mm-hmm. right? And so I didn't get that. And so when you said something that resonated with me, um, the reason I'm good at, and this is, you know probably tell Jody something he don't know already know about me is like the reason I'm good with people because I was always searching for people to like me mm. so how could I become what they needed me to be so I could be accepted mm. and so it took me years to figure that out and I didn't even figure it out it wasn't until later in my Marine Corps career mm. because when I first joined I was like when you did that's why I'm that's that's why I'm so good at stuff and it's not a natural thing it's like if you're good People like you. Mm-hmm. People praise you. People yep. give you accolades and words of affirmation, mm-hmm. right? But if I look deeper and be mm-hmm. introspective, and like you know, and look at the mirror, it's like I didn't like me. That's why I needed everybody else to like mm. me. It's interesting because you, you know, if you, we talk about this quite a bit. Mm-hmm. People that are self-aware make changes. I don't want to say easily, but 
easier than than people intentionally. Who are, intentionally, yes, yeah, deliberately. Intentionally, mm-hmm. yeah. <clears throat> what advice? I, I get the question all the time, and and so I'd be curious to hear your advice of mm-hmm. what do you do with somebody who's not self aware. So if somebody's so... <laughs> you mean the worst of the world? Yeah, so, so like self-unaware that they don't even know. Lord, everybody walk around clueless. Yeah. What are some advice? Well, tips? one of the key skills <laughs> I've learned, my co-author, uh, the Mirror Book Project, Maria Spears. Um, she runs a the woman's school, right? Well, she used to be um, a strategist, mindset coach with the woman's school, but they now have a different coaching business called West of Perfection. But... Um, <clears throat> Maria, you know, shared one time this idea that to get curious, right? And that the root, one of the root words of the word curious is to care. So like if, if someone isn't self-aware, it's, it's pretty hard for you to make them (laughs) self-aware. But if you're, if you're, if you truly care about them and and you really would want them to have greater self-awareness is like, what kinds of good questions could you ask to help them to understand maybe the impact they're having on you, that they might want to shift how they're doing something to have a better impact? Um, Being curious, not judgmental. Yes. Well, because you can't, you know, you can never, you can't control anybody else. You can, we say that all the time. You can only control yourself. Yep. We do, well, so the to problem your point is, is, what question can I ask to elicit that thought? Well, like going back to a question you you talked about earlier is like you talked about, you know, feeling anger at sometimes. And for me, in my experience, anger is a, is a secondary emotion. So there's generally something else underneath. And you kind of touched on it, but it would be like, you know, that survivor's remorse or, you know, the loss of your grandmother. So it's like, you know, what's that feeling underneath that anger that, really maybe needs to be addressed that... I could have did more. Mm. I should have did more. Mm. So Why didn't kind of I a do self, more? It's kind of a yeah. self-judgment. It makes me kind of emotional just when I say it out loud, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, because you always think you should have, would have, could have. Yeah. But you can't. Um, and we we judge people because we wish we would have done, we would have did it. Mm-hmm. And so we're, that reflection... That, that what we what we're truly seeing in them hmm. is the way we would have did it differently. Yeah. So for me, I have this idea was shared with me years ago. This idea that it's true, it's truer and truest, right? So it's true that you get anger sometimes, and you just shared something that's truer, right? Kind of this self judgment, and then if you really went deep with yourself and examined what were situations in the past that I didn't do something or I could have done something or I wish I would have done something. And then the key thing to be able to do for that, for that healing for you is self-forgiveness. It's like, okay, I can't do anything about what happened in the past. I have to accept that those were the choices. That was the best I knew how to do at the point in which in life I was at and I did my best. Could I have done different? Possibly. But the decision now can be is like, okay, I choose if confronted with a similar situation in the future to face that differently, okay? I love myself. I accept myself. I want to make sure in the next time I have a situation like that to show up differently than maybe I showed up in the past. (laughs) And that's hard to do unless we have that self-awareness and then we're intentional about making a choice. So recognizing the power to change 
is the the R of the reflect. It's like, oh, I can forgive myself for what happened in the past. I don't have to be this way anymore. I can choose to show up differently. And I don't, Tim. I don't know if you've read the book, The Power of Ted. It's mm-hmm. a it's a good book. It talks about the there's this thing called the dreaded drama triangle, but the mm-hmm. foundation of it is mm-hmm. people going from the victim mindset mm-hmm. to the creator mindset, which yep. is exactly Vic- victim versus creator. That's yeah. right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly what you're talking about. There is you've got the power to make the change. Uh, you know, you can't move forward trying. You can't drive forward trying to look uh, while you're looking in the rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. A lot of times. But- I'm quiet because I'm thinking. I'm like I'm off into it. I was just had to catch myself because I went somewhere else in my own brain. Yeah. And you talk about the victim versus the creator, but like how we how do we help people that that are oblivious to what's really going on? And and and, and for me, and it, it, it wasn't until he just like he just said what he said. Like maybe I haven't forgiven myself, and I, that's what mm. I'm thinking about right now. Like I'm I'm literally trying to say is like. Am, is it is it truly true that I've forgive myself? No, I've or have I been con- content mm. with where I am, or have mm. I? And that's a difference, right? He was like, I can accept it, or I can understand it, mm. and then accept it, right? So there's there's two pieces to it. And I think it's the, most of the loss that I've had in my life that because I have this control mechanism to keep people close to me then I have this inherent responsibility to them to make sure that they're safe because I take on, I'm a very empathetic person, right? I take on people's stuff, learn to give it back at this stage of my life. But mm-hmm. for, I don't think I, for, I, I just don't, I don't think I've forgiven my, I, I, when, if I'm being honest, like and what I don't want to say is I have. Mm-hmm. So I think the real answer is I have it because right. it's can so I, hard to say it. Can I share an example with sure situation? So I'm going to go a place I've never gone publicly with you. Okay. Okay, because I feel like you need to hear it. So one of the biggest shames of my life was uh, my girlfriend got pregnant when I was in college. And the shame and the guilt I've carried of her having an abortion when I was about 19 years old carried that most of my life until about a year ago. And I was with a friend, we were talking, and she was had a frustration about something that was going on that she couldn't be there to be with her child. And it just came to me, you know, I call these Holy Spirit moments. I don't know where you are from a faith standpoint. It's just like, you know, just sometimes you get this download of information and this awareness is like, ugh. But the thought was... I'm going to get to see my son who I never met when I get to heaven. Just totally out of the blue, that came to me. It's like, wow. Then I had this, like, moment. It's like, what do I do with this? So I I made the decision to go ahead and share that with her because she was struggling with something. And I made the decision to share that with her. You still know her. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is a different... I think he's talking the, about a different, the friend. The friend. Oh, the friend. The yeah. <laughs> but um, so it's like gaining uh, gaining a different level of awareness than I've ever had before. So I dealt with that shame and that guilt for 40 years and also like in an instant was released. And I could share other stories that kind of on the supernatural level. But it's like I had a new aha. I had a new awareness. I was able to forgive myself in an instant. Like, you know, that didn't come to me out of my own mind. That came to me. It was given to me. It was a gift. It's like, oh, 
Okay, I can forgive myself for that. Okay, we're talking about it here on air. It's got to be everybody. You know, most people that know me don't know that story. There's less than a handful of people that are aware of that. Okay, now, but you know, sometimes it's like. <coughs> The best way to deal with something that we don't feel good about ourselves out there is to get it out in the open and release it. It's like people are going to make their judgments, whatever. That's about them. But I got to love myself. I got to accept myself. I made a decision I'm not proud of, still not something I would advocate. But it's like I made that decision when I was a 19-year-old boy, 19-year-old young man, Okay. I'm dealing with the consequences of that. But that's one of those things that was holding me back from loving myself and accepting myself and my ability to freely give love to everybody else. is like, I felt guilty about this all my life. So I don't know if there's anything there within that. I think if I talk, I'm going to start crying. So I'm just, I'm just, I'm just being straight up honest. Like yeah. I've got a lot of emotions going about it. Like you said, it's always it might be that one story, but there's so many there's so many stories behind that, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so much stuff that you know we sometimes we pride ourselves on how much we hold in mm-hmm. as men. Like you know, I can I'm gonna take this to my grave, and knowing that that's it's probably taking me closer to my grave than than anything. Mm-hmm. It's just I mean, yeah, man, I don't know. I actually don't have nothing to say. Well, it's I mean, <laughs> Tim. That's a super. Well, both of you all shared like super powerful things mm-hmm. that are really great examples of loving yourself because you're mm-hmm. able to, like you said, lay it out there on the table and examine it. And that in and of itself is self-awareness. It sucks so much though. Like, I, I mean, cause I, th- even, even, even for me, right. Even for me, uh, I always talk about letting go, letting, letting, you know, you hear from when I grew up in Baptist, let go, let God type mm-hmm. things. Um, mm-hmm. So it's this really just putting it out to the universe. And like you said, just releasing it. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's not, it's not going to be what you think it is, and if it if it does, it's only temporary. Like it ain't gonna, it, it doesn't last for. Once you get out, you're like, oh, that wasn't either as bad as I thought it was. Because we have this grandeur, uh, this grand thought of like how the world is going to shift in the off its axle if we say this one thing. But like, it's hard to tell yourself that. It's hard mm-hmm. to say it's gonna be okay, right? It's gonna be okay because it ain't. Like, ah. It ain't going to be okay—it's hard for me, right? And so there's a lot of things that I hold in, but what, what you, it does resonate. It, it resonates huge because I'm going through this shift in my life at home, in my professional life, who I am, mm-hmm. right? And I'm pride myself on growth. And so to take yourself where you don't want to go mm-hmm. is a very hard pill to swallow, but it, it's necessary to, for growth because I'm comfortable where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Where I'm not comfortable is where I need to be. Mm-hmm. Well, and that goes back to the episode we recorded earlier, Honest Love. Mm-hmm. Right? Like being honest with yourself is a is a huge form of self-love. And being able to expose all of that and say, what does this really mean? What can I control? What do I need to let go of mm-hmm. uh, and able to move on? Because I mean, we all carry something. Right. We all got stuff. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to fuck carry. I'm gonna say straight. I don't. I, don't, I like. I feel, I'm tired. Like mm-hmm. in general, in in a sense, like, um, I'm tired of carrying so much. Well, when you do that, you know, kind of. I'm sorry, man. I, I'm just tired. Like it's just. I'm. 
But that's a great, Morgan, you're, you're a great example of people that get burned out because they get overloaded mm-hmm. because they're not loving themselves enough to say no to something else being put in their backpack. They're not loving themselves enough to say, this is what happened. Let me look at it and figure out how to release it or what I need to do to release it or move on with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for me, you know, reflecting um, back on, you know, this idea of the reflect acrostic, the, the, for me it would be like, can I imagine being in a different head space or a different heart space about whatever it is that I'm struggling with? And that's so key is like, if I can imagine, okay, not feeling guilty or sh- ashamed or whatever about this or wanting something different in my life, that'll motivate me to go take action. But the healing process, self-forgiveness process isn't a one-time thing. It's like, it's, it's, a, it's going back and dealing with things. And, and I think there's layers sometimes. It's like, I, okay, I've unpeeled this layer. It's like, oh. And then there's stuff that sometimes I shut out of my mind because it's too painful. Right. I, I don't want to have to think about it. I don't want to deal with it. But if I seek help or I get with a group of people that can help me to talk through some of those types of issues, then I can, I can make progress. As I think about it, right, it's like, even now I'm beating myself up, but like, it's okay not to be okay, right? Mm -hmm. And it's Mm -hmm. okay not to be prepared to share certain levels of that. And Mm -hmm. before, like just to be able to have this conversation, in person, however you want to see it, right, is 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 growth for me yeah. because like the man that we were, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have discussed this. It would have never, it would have never been discussed. Not even in my household. It, it is not something I would have been comfortable with sharing, um, because where I my grew up, I grew up in a, in a survival sense, right? It wasn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was in com- I always tell people I was in combat before I was in in combat, yeah, right, because I was always trying to survive, and. I sit here and beat myself up now, knowing that I'm I'm doing the I've always been doing the best that I can. Mm-hmm. That's but long as I'm tr- I, I continuously accept that, and I'm I'm willing to be receptive to what you're selling me, mm-hmm. not just sitting here like hearing you, but listening, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the difference, mm-hmm. and understanding that I need to give myself some grace, and it's okay that when I'm ready. It'll happen, right? And like I'm ready now, and I just think there's a, it's just like this shift, man, that's going on in my life, and it's so emotional. Like I'm not like I'm not sad, you know what I mean? I'm mm-hmm. not sad. It's just I spent 40 years not crying, and like <laughs> now it, it comes like I like something's wrong with me, and but there's nothing wrong. Like I'm crying because I'm so happy that I'm in a place where I can receive it. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's the hardest part because, like, there is a part of me like, damn, I wish I'd have got this a long time ago. But there's a part of me that's like, I am so blessed to be able to receive it now because everything everything else is in the history. Like, I'm, I'm making history right now. Yeah, you might not have been ready to receive it. No, before. I don't. I might <laughs> tell you what I'd have done before. But, like, there's so much, man, that, like, I, I hold on to personally that it's doing me no good. And I like, it, 
I'm upset at myself right now because like I I always talk tell people to be honest, be transparent. But I'm only giving like ninety percent of that. Well, you but that's ninety percent. Right. And that's yeah, that's where but it's you, never enough. No, well, <laughs> that's, you know, that's where the shifting gears comes in. And yeah. once you've exposed something like Tim says, you expose it, you look at it, you figure out, okay, what do I do with this now? And then maybe you do find something Especially else. Especially when you when I when you thought you was okay. I, I, I could have before we walked in here today, I could have swore <laughs> I was okay. You know what I mean? You understand, uh, like what like you said, uh, that this, one, this is why I was supposed to be here today. Yeah, maybe. Like, I thought I was okay, and then like I ain't okay. Like I, today, yeah. I'm not. Like I'm not where I want to be in my mind or in my emotions. There's things going on in my life right now, um, and it's, it's sometimes it looks great. It looks the grandeur. Like I'm traveling. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. But I'm dealing with my own demons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm always dealing with them. But the the I think that the 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 place I am in my life now, I'm like. Before you like you running from demons, you're trying to hide from them. You're scared of them. They freak you out. They like, it's like a horror movie. But but then you but where I'm at now is like where you at, motherfucker? Come yeah. come find me. Matter of mm-hmm. fact, I'm gonna come look for you, mm-hmm. right? And I'm okay with that. That's that's a great like I don't know metaphor analogy <laughs> for self love is yeah. when you shift gears from I'm I'm running into the forest with the chainsaw guy chasing me <laughs> to now I'm looking for him. I'm looking mm-hmm. for and him. I got my own chainsaw. Yeah. I, I think that's a great. Yeah. Uh, that's it, yeah. man. Hmm. Well, all right, we're already bumping up against our time. That, <laughs> uh, that's what happens when you go deep quick. You get in. Yeah, man. I'm, I I don't know. Thank you for listening. That's all I got to say. Well, <laughs> Thanks, Tim, for coming. <laughs> I, I wasn't ready, <laughs> but I, I, I like. But I welcome it. I wasn't ready, but I welcomed it. And I just said it in another episode that we recorded. Is like. I've realized that before I thought I was sharing and teaching everybody else listening, but I realized I'm a student every time I sit down at this table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen to that. And Tim, we thank you for coming in. Um, how can people get in touch with you? Well, you can reach me through LinkedIn, Tim Howard, or Instagram. It's Tim Howard, the mirror, um, out on Facebook, whatnot. And you can listen in to the Reflect the Life You Want podcast drops every Friday, produced here at Signal Fire Media. In their studio we're sitting in right now. That's right, with a different sign. <laughs> well, Tim, thanks so much for coming in. Uh, and and really, like, both just opening up, that's that's the epitome of self-love, is just being able to, to lay it out on the table and examine it and talk about it. And I guess from a leadership standpoint, this is the kind of stuff that people carry into mm. know, the office space and stuff like that. So, you know, they say you never know what somebody's got going on behind the curtain and always give people grace, uh, but give yourself grace too. Facts. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening. Please remember to leave us some stars, leave us a review, spread the word, share with your friends. What Jody say it. Yeah, Morgan's still deep in thought. <laughs> I am, man. I just I need to get my mind right because we still got more episodes. Yeah, we got to we gotta record one more. Uh, but no, I think this is... We all have the opportunity to change our own lives first, but we have to be willing to do it. We have to have the courage to do the things that make us cry, that make us feel uncomfortable. And I and I guarantee you in every part of this journey, and Tim, and I know Jody will agree with me, is like w- when you venture out into the unknown, there's always a destination. You just can't see it right now. 
Yeah, and that's where the faith comes in. Yeah. You know, whether it's a Christian faith, faith in the universe, faith in yourself, uh, just believe that it's going to happen and, and get after it. It will. Thank you, guys, for listening, uh, everyone, for watching the the clips and giving us your feedback. But we hope to hear from you. And tune in to also check out Tim's uh, podcast, podcast yeah. as well. Uh, we got some episodes on there, and you'll learn something if you ain't learned nothing already. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for hanging out. See you later. Bye.